You know, there's really a, a uniqueness to Detroit's landscape that I think draws everyone in. From EXPDET, a lifestyle magazine and podcast bringing you the best of what Detroit has to offer, I'm your host, Lou Goldhaber, and on today's episode, we're recording from M Contemporary Art in Ferndale, Michigan, and we're talking to the very talented photographer, Mr. Brian Day. Brian, welcome. Thank you very much for having me. So awesome to be sitting next to you, <laughs> uh, sitting in this amazing gallery, looking at your work. First off, thank you for doing this. We always thank every guest before we get started for taking the time to do this. So really appreciate it. Thank you. It's, it's a privilege. So this new series, A Moment, Moment Away, is just unbelievably beautiful. And as I mentioned, EXP is a huge fan. We have many of your pieces within our buildings across the city of Detroit. So congratulations on all your success. Thank you. Thank you so much. So let's start at the beginning. Sure. All right. Let's tell the audience where your passion for photography got started. When and where did you pick up the camera? So uh, when I was a kid, my dad was a photographer and he was sort of a casual hobby photographer. He would take film photographs of family members, pictures on the street and things like that. And I always had sort of a distant interest in his camera, although I didn't really touch it much because it was one of dad's precious possessions. But anyway, as I got older, uh, in 2008, I took a job. I, I left the automotive industry and got into healthcare. And one of my colleagues at, at my new job had some interesting pictures up in his uh, cubicle of Detroit. So that led to a conversation which led to him inviting me out with him to take pictures of the train station, no less, in the city. Um, so I bought a camera and I kind of took it up from there and, and it slowly grew into a passion for me. And so ever since then, I've been pretty serious about it. So dad's camera, you finally just got the courage to kind of pick it up and take it for a run. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. why the train station? Why was that the first building? Well, as a kid, you know, we used to go to the train station to pick up family members that came in into town and also sometimes just to see the trains. Uh, and this was before it closed in, in the mid 80s. So, you know, I had memories of it as a child being this sort of busy place and, and so much going on. Um, but I always wanted to explore it and I couldn't as a child. So as I got older and had that opportunity, it, of course, it was one of the first things that I was thinking, well, if I'm able to explore it, then I would love to. So are you self-taught? Did you ever take any classes? I mean, your stuff is amazing. So how, how did you learn how to do this? Self-taught. Uh, I haven't taken any classes, and, um, but I, I am a technical person by trade. So um, my profession is in computers and, you know, I'm kind of a, I'm a reader and sort of a semi-technical person. So I just kind of geeked out on, on the whole idea of making and creating photographs, composition and things like that, and read a bunch of books and, and did a lot of experimentation and there was a lot of failure involved. In okay. That, so. As with most, with most, uh, you know, passions, there's successes and failures. Right, right. So let me ask you this question being a, a, a you know, uh, to tech out for a minute, if you don't mind. Mm -hmm. So are you always been digital? Do you do film? I mean, are you play with both? What is your... So when I started, it was 2008, and I um, obviously started with a digital camera since I was brand new. So I went with digital for many, many years, uh, you know, the, over the last 10 or 11 years. But within the last two years, I've sort, sort of gone backwards to film. And uh, right now I'm shooting large format four by five film, uh, black and white film, which I developed myself at home. So it's a very involved process. You know, the old pictures of a photographer getting under the, the black blanket to make pictures and um, and then being sort of in the laboratory at home, so to speak, developing the negatives. It's a really interesting process. And I, I wish I had started with film, but it's really nice to circle back to the craftsmanship of producing an image uh, from scratch. So I'm enjoying it. So for most people who maybe don't know you or know your background, like this is like 
the greatest side hustle ever because you have a day job, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, and you've been pretty successful at the photography thing too. How are you balancing both of those? Well, uh, so my wife and I have been married for 21 years. Congratulations. Um, but we don't have children. So uh, so when I'm not at work, I've got some free time. My wife teaches ballet and so she's busy herself. Uh, so I have some free time to sort of get out and, and make pictures, uh, you know, in, in my spare time. Very cool. So let's talk about your work. It's very unique. I mean, kind of people know when they see your stuff, whether or not it was, you know, the Detroit from Above series or this current series we're looking at here today. What, where's the inspiration come for these, you know, very specific types of work that you do? Well, of course, being um, born and raised in Detroit, I've got some perspective of, you know, growing up as a child um, and seeing different areas of the city. Uh, from the childhood perspective. And then once I got older, obviously want, wanting to explore parts of the city that I hadn't seen before. But, you know, a lot of my inspiration comes from um, areas that aren't even photography. You know, I, I had a, a deep interest in film a, as a kid. So I really loved the old black and white film noir movies from back in the day. Uh, and some of the directors like uh, Akira Kurosawa, who made these really moody films, back in the day. And I think that that sort of influenced uh, my approach to photography. But then even with photography, um, a couple of photographers that, that have always interested me, uh, Henri Cartier-Bresson is one of the most famous street photographers who was known for something called the decisive moment. And it wasn't so much the decisive moment that interested me, but his precision with his images uh, and the geometry in his images is something that kind of inspires my own uh, desire for precision. Uh, in my images. And then with Ansel Adams, um, sort of his craftsmanship around tonality of images and bringing out the full range of shades and, and lights and darks in an image is something that I also gravitate to. So being that you're self-taught, I mean, even just to put all this together into like a, a game plan is is pretty impressive. Well, yeah, it, well, as I mentioned before, it certainly involves a lot of experimentation. And, and, you know, for every one photograph that I can say I think is pretty decent, there's probably 50 attempts where, just, where it took me some time to figure out what was I actually trying to do? Where was my head, um, you know, sort of pointed and to figure it out. So it, it's been some trial and error. So those, are sure. like, those are like the outtakes. Yeah. Yeah. Those are like in the vaults for like when you're super famous, they're going to be yeah, like, yeah. those are, those are like, you know, the special ones that no one's seen Hide before. that stuff. Yeah, yeah. No, but it's a learning process for sure. I love that. So let's talk about the one that kind of, I got to know you from, which was really this whole Detroit from above series, which I really think in town puts you on the map. I mean, everybody knows that they talk about it. Those images have become somewhat iconic. Where did that series come from? Well, you know, riding around the city from uh, childhood to adulthood, you know, you see everything from ground level. And I think everyone who comes to Detroit is fascinated by the architecture, um, the Art Deco buildings, the contemporary buildings. Um, you know, there's really a, a uniqueness to Detroit's landscape that I think draws everyone in. Um, when I was able to take advantage of using a drone for aerial photography, that was one of the first things that I thought might be cool to try to experiment with was how do you take that um, love for architecture at the ground level and literally turn it on its head? Um, and so that led to trying to find these somewhat abstract compositions, um, again, leveraging that sort of desire for precision and tonality. Uh, but from a completely different angle. And so th there were some months of, again, experimentation where I wasn't sure how I wanted to approach it. But once I figured it out, uh, at least the approach that I wanted to take, it felt really good to pursue those images. And I was joking before you before you got here. It's like, I'm not sure that series could even be done now because <laughs> some of these buildings that you did it, you know, like the train station being one of them, I mean, they're they're occupied. I mean, right. they're being they're under construction. They might not allow drone footage. So you kind of caught it at like the right exact moment 
before this huge kind of turnaround of the city. Yeah, I agree. And I, and I think that, you know, with the proliferation of drones, so many more people are using them nowadays that the federal regulations have changed quite significantly as far as how much you can fly, how high you can fly in the air. And like you mentioned, certain buildings, there's geofencing that you can't fly over the building at all. So the timing was right to get those images. I love that. I love that. So here we are now. You got this new series a moments away. Um, at M Contemporary Art here in Ferndale. In basically all directions, as I'm sitting here right now, I'm seeing this new series, which is really, really cool. So talk to me about this as an artist. You know, this is like the culmination, right? You do this whole series, you get them printed up. Here they are, you know, covering the walls here. How does it feel to you as an artist to kind of see that come to fruition? It's, it's always surreal to me because, uh, you know, as, the image, as you create the images, when you're standing there in front of the scene and behind the camera, you're not necessarily thinking, oh, this is going to be on a gallery in a wall somewhere. You're just trying to make the best image that you can make. Um, but over time, the images start to form a theme. The, the body of work starts to form a theme. Uh, but still, those images more or less are, are sitting on a hard drive somewhere or way out of public consumption. And it's been really interesting to work with a gallery like uh, M Contemporary Art here, which, um, you know, the gallery owner has a great eye for, um, for things that resonate emotionally. And, and, and I've learned in working in that partnership with the gallery kind of how to help edit my work <laughs> and, and, and um, produce series of work that, that I think are cohesive. And so, but to see the work on the wall, it's just, it's, it's humbling, first and foremost, that someone would, would consume their real estate <laughs> to put my work yeah, on right? the wall. Uh, but it's also pretty cool just to see things as, as sort of a finished product that, that is no longer really mine anymore, but now it's for public consumption. So what's it feel like to go into someone's home or business and you see it up on the wall? Is that even more like... Yeah, that's sort of an out-of-body experience. Like, why, you know, I can't believe that a person appreciated my work that much to spend money on it or to put it in, uh, you know, a a cherished place in their home. That's really surreal and humbling to me. So all your pieces are so unique. I'm sure you've taken thousands of, you know, as you mentioned, ones that never see the light of day or ones that make it to a wall like this. Do you have one in in your mind that you're like, that's the one, like that's either one that got it started or that's the one that holds a special place to you? I had to think about that. And, and one that I think um, was really a game changer for me, there's a photograph that I made uh, on the freeway, above the freeway. And it was one of the first ones in the Detroit From Above series. And, and the reason the photograph was significant is I was still trying to figure out what direction I wanted to point the camera. That might sound kind of silly, but initially I was just pointing the camera out at the horizon. They were horizontal shots. And this was one of the first ones where I pointed the camera straight down and I experimented with a long exposure, which is very difficult to do for a hovering camera. Um, so it produced this image that uh, you know, makes the cars appear almost like spaceships flying by on the freeway. And that was a, a sort of a pivotal uh, moment for me with, with those images. I love that. So cool. So let's talk about Detroit. You're a third generation native Detroiter, right? Mm-hmm. So when I say the word Detroiter to you, what does that mean? Whew. It means a lot. You know, when I think about um, some of the words, the adjectives that are used to describe Detroit, you know, I, I hear people say resilient, uh, resurgent, inspiring, which I, I think all of those words are true uh, about Detroit. Detroiters are some of the most resilient people <laughs> that, that, that I think one could ever hope to meet. And, and I think the story of the city, especially in recent years, is inspiring to see those things happening. But as a Detroiter, I think the word that, that most comes to mind for me is paradox. 
And, and I don't necessarily, I don't mean that in a negative way, but, but just as much as there are some really awesome things happening in some parts of the city, there are some challenges I think that, that it's fair for us to acknowledge and put some attention to uh, in addressing in the city. And so when, when I think about Detroiters, I think about people who live that paradox and, and are fighting to, to get over, you know, from one side of the paradox, hopefully to the other side of the paradox and to bring others with them. So certainly an interesting story here in Detroit. And, um, you know, I, I value the time, you know, and the experiences that I've had learning and growing here in the city. So great point. I mean, if you look at the history of Detroit over the last 50 years, there's been a couple, I don't want to say failed comebacks, but attempts of, you know, resurgence. Do you believe in this one? I mean, does this feel different than the others? I do um, believe in this one in in the sense that um, I'm not sure that in recent memory we've ever had so many different um, parties willing to invest time and money and effort into the city at once. Um, I think what will make this uh, effort different from any others, history will tell, time will tell, is when those efforts reach the neighborhoods and, and the everyday Detroiters who don't necessarily get the opportunity to go downtown, maybe uh, as frequently as others, or maybe they don't work downtown. But I think that's when we'll really see the city turn a corner, uh, is when some of that um, energy starts to reach the average neighborhood in, in the city of Detroit. I think it's coming. I think it's possible. But I think that that is the aspiration going forward. It's a great point. So it's to that, you photograph all over the city, mm-hmm. you, every neighborhood I can think of. Is there one that really speaks to you that you're like, this is this is my neighborhood? I mean, I don't know where you, exactly mm-hmm. where you grew up, but is there... Yeah, I grew up on the west side on a, a street called Marlow. And um, so I, I, I'm obviously always interested in, in making pictures over there. But right now, my wife and I, we purchased a house, uh, a condo actually on the east side of the city, and we're renovating it. So uh, when I'm not spending time working on those renovations, I've been really interested in taking my camera and exploring the neighborhood, sort of walking around, um, reconnecting with places that I maybe went to in that neighborhood as a child and, and things like that. So the east side is probably where my current interest is. Okay. So we kind of talked about it a little bit. With all the happenings ha- you know, going on in the city from development to new construction to restaurants to bars, what are you most excited about in this resurgence? Like, what are you like, that's the thing that gets me you know, going the most? Parks, the parks. I'm, I'm really, really excited about the parks. And the reason is parks bring people together. You know, my wife and I have traveled quite a bit internationally. And that's one of the things I appreciate the most when we go to Europe in particular, is that parks are like the great equalizer, whether a person's rich or poor, whatever their station in life is, race or religion, people all come together to relax and enjoy natural beauty. And um, I think it's really awesome to see that the city has made a renewed commitment to restoring parks that have been neglected over the years, like in the case of Belle Isle, uh, and creating new spaces, green spaces, greenways, the bike lanes that are being created. That really, really excites me about Detroit's most recent effort to uh, to turn around. Yeah, I mean, someone asked me this the other day, and I said, I think the what's going on in the Detroit waterfront is transformational. Yeah. Some of those parks that are going to be right up and down the waterfront, to me, is this going to set us apart from all these other cities that don't have access to, to water. Right. I mean, to me, that's a really big, big deal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, in any city that has the privilege of being next to a body of water, I think is 
has the opportunity to be absolutely awesome. And, and, you know, for many years, Detroit's riverfront was more or less industrial, Mm -hmm. um, which was always a shame because, you know, we would go and look at the Canada side and, you know, wish that the Detroit side, you know, had a nice walking uh, riverfront and things like that. And now, you know, I'm sure that the Canadians look at at the the Detroit side with some jealousy at some of the efforts that are going on. So you had Windsor envy. Yeah, Yeah. (laughs) exactly. It was was an actual condition. It was a real thing. I, I I agree. I agree. So it's definitely cool to see um, that the riverfront, among many other places, has started to get that love in the recent years. So we talked about this somewhat being uh, the photography thing, being a side hustle. You you do have a full time job. You're working at Henry Ford, doing some amazing work there. You know, talk to me about how that feels to see their commitment to the city, just from the Ford side of things, the whole enterprise of companies, the train station, Corktown. Mm -hmm. Is that just so exciting for you? Yeah, and I have an interesting connection to to uh, Ford. So my dad worked for Ford Motor Company for 30 years. Um, his first job was in the Wixom assembly plant building Lincoln Town Cars and Continentals. Um, both of my parents at one point worked for Henry Ford Health System, which is where I work now. Um, as a child, you know, anytime I had a sprained ankle or a busted lip or anything that happened as a boy growing up, I was in Henry Ford Hospital. Uh, and so now as an adult, um, having the opportunity to work for Henry Ford and see some of the things that they're trying to do in the community and the commitment to uh, health and wellness and well-being, uh, especially in an area where there are many people who are underserved and, and don't have insurance or don't have access to care as much as others do. Um, Henry Ford's commitment is really impressive to me. And, and as you mentioned, sort of the extension to the Ford family with the train station and the efforts to sort of build up that area over in Corktown, I think is really awesome because they didn't have to choose that spot to invest almost a billion dollars in um, and, and the jobs that could be created for that, but also the interest that it creates in the neighborhood, I think is really, really awesome. Not to mention um, what Ford is actually trying to do in that area is really um, build up the notion of mobility, uh, mobility of the future. And so things like self-driving cars, uh, and connectivity for people and making it easier for people to get around in some of these sort of futuristic, non-traditional ways is really fascinating to see. So are you going to take a post-train station photograph? I, I would love to. And, and I think it'll be interesting to see what mode of transportation evolves uh, from the train station. I know that a number of folks have seen the self-driving cars uh, downtown, but I can almost see that that building becomes sort of a hub of futuristic transportation in there. Down the line. Super cool. So let's talk about what's next. The, the public wants to know. I mean, you got this amazing <laughs> series up on the wall now. What's the next? <laughs> well, you know, a- after having a, a, an exhibition um, like this, sometimes there's just sort of abject confusion. Like, I don't know what I should do next after that. You're having a photography yeah, crisis? Yeah, maybe I should just sit down for a little while and not do anything. But um, I, I think, as I mentioned at the outset, one thing that has characterized some of my photography over the last 10 or 11 years has been an, an attempt at precision. Um, so I, you know, I like to try to make these images that are visually precise. And so I think maybe the next thing for me is to challenge myself to look at um, more ethereal and imperfect ways of making photographs. Um, I'm interested in Japanese wabi-sabi, you know, sort of the art of the imperfect and impermanent. Um, and it's something that I honestly struggle with because I want lines to be straight and, you know, things to be just so. So I think that that'll be an interesting challenge for me to try to sort out how to make something creative that goes against my um, inherent desire to make things sort of perfect. Okay, you heard it here first. Japanese wabi-sabi, <laughs> whatever that was called, from Mr. Brian Day. It might be the next series that, it, that hits these walls. We'll see. <laughs> 
All right, so this is my favorite part of every podcast, the lightning round. Okay. Are you ready? I hope so. We're going to fire a few <laughs> questions at you and see what you say. All right. All right, here we go. Question one, favorite Detroit icon that symbolizes the city? Got to be the Joe Louis fist. I mean, it's, it's hard not to, not to look at the fist as something that represents the fight in the city and just the grit of the city of Detroit. I like it. I like it. All right, favorite place you've ever taken a photograph? Belle Isle, and and for a number of reasons. Belle Isle is a beautiful park, but the view of the city is also awesome. Do you like being photographed yourself? I do not. It feels very awkward, which is, I know, an oxymoron, but it does. When you're out with friends, do they force you to be the photographer? They used to, but now everyone sort of feels like uh, I take so many pictures that if I take the picture, they'll never see it. So they, they asked me to take the picture, but with someone else's camera so that they can have it right away. I love it. I love it. <laughs> Favorite Detroit restaurant? Baker's Keyboard Lounge at uh, 8 Mile and Livernois. Definitely my favorite. Favorite Detroit spot nobody knows about? Ooh. Um, so La Dolce Vita is, is a little bit obscure, um, um, but that's one of my favorite places to, to go and eat and hang out. It's uh, in the Palmer Woods area uh, off of Woodward. I've been there. Good spot. <laughs> so one night out in the D, where are you heading? To the riverfront, of course. Uh, maybe a nice dinner. Um, there's a number of bars that are great places to get drinks. Um, I, I love a good old-fashioned. Uh, and, and the candy bar is a pretty nice place to go get, to get an old-fashioned right now. But um, So candy you know, bar at the Siren Hotel? Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. good spot. Yeah, San Morello. Someone mentioned that earlier. We went there uh, a couple weeks ago and just absolutely fell in love with the food and the service. There's so many places to, to see and, and enjoy, but Campus Martius, walking around Campus Martius and then going to the riverfront, I think is a perfect night out. All right, top three. Let's, let's go back to the restaurants for a second. Your top three. Because I know it gave you one shot, but most people, they need like one or two or three. So what are your top three spots you like to go to? Top three spots. So my current, um, well, aside from Baker's, uh, La Lanterna is a really nice place. It's uh, over by Capitol Park. Thank you. That's actually in one of our buildings. Is really? That's in the Albert. So thank you for, for that. Appreciate that. I love La Lanterna. We, we go there way too much. Um, but also Park in Campus Martius is, is another favorite. Um, and a friend of mine opened a place called Bessa. Uh, down, sure, in the Vinton Building. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Great so, spot. Uh, that, that's another nice spot to go out and eat. Awesome. All right, well, you heard it first here. <laughs> that was the lightning round with Brian Day, all the hot spots he likes to go to. <laughs> so, Brian, from our audience at EXP, thank you. It's been such a pleasure to have you on the show. Um, you're doing such incredible work, making beautiful imagery of what I believe is a great American city. So thank you so much for everything you're thank doing. Thank you so much for having me. I truly appreciate it. For more information on all the incredible work Brian is doing, check out his photos at www.brianday.org. You can also check out this amazing exhibition at this very cool gallery, M Contemporary Art, at 205 East Nine Mile Road in Ferndale, Michigan, or you can check him out online at mcontemporaryart.com. Thanks, everyone, for tuning into this episode of the EXP DET podcast. Please make sure to write us a review and provide us some comments and feedback. If you want to read more about the amazing people shaping Detroit, check out expdet.com or you can follow us on Instagram or Facebook.